Hello, podcast listeners. It's been a while, huh? Uh, I was on vacation and I got a little too comfortable. (laughs) But uh, right now I am doing a new series that I have already done a blog post for. I've done a YouTube video, so now I'm giving it to you in podcast form. It is commentary on my first book, Pangea Unsettled Land. And each week I'm going to be doing uh, one chapter and giving you commentary on each one. So if you read the book, uh, then this will be a good something extra to kind of uh, remember the story and uh, just kind of see what what went on in my head and, and what was going on. Uh, with the changes of the book and stuff. So anyway, give it a listen. Um, I'm sure you'll like it. And uh, let me know what you think. Thanks. Hey, everyone. What's going on? It's Jared D. King here. And I did not put up a new video last week because I was on a little vacation with some friends in Vermont. And, you know, it was a really great trip. And I'm so happy that I went. I definitely got the chance to recharge. Uh, But today... I am coming at you with a new video that uh, hopefully it will be interesting to you. Um, If you read my book, this will definitely be interesting. Um, So basically every week I'll be going in order through the chapters of my book, Pangea Unsettled Land, and uh, I'll just be giving you some commentary on it. I'm going to be talking about uh, my chapter summary. I'm going to give you goals for the chapter, like what I set out to do with the chapter, uh, why you will love the chapter, and why you may even put it down after reading. So before we get started, I have to give you a spoiler alert because, again, I am going to be giving you a chapter of the, of the summary and of each summary moving ahead. So if you haven't read the book already, uh, I recommend you head over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Apple iBooks or Google Play, wherever, and, you know, get a copy of the book today and uh, follow along with me. So the... Chapter summary. Chapter one is where we're starting. And this chapter is broken up into two parts. Uh, This is where we get introduced to an eight-year-old Gisela. um, And she is sitting by the frozen lake in the northern third. And she's crying about something. And, you know, this first part of the, the first half of the chapter, she, you know, we open up to this scene of her crying and her neighbors kind of consoling her, kind of just found her there. And the one neighbor comes out of the, comes from the lake and says, you know, nobody could have slipped in there. So, you know, I don't, so basically you didn't understand what the, what her uh, crying was about. Um, And they take her home. Um, But then in the second part of the chapter, we jump back in time to a few moments ago and we see why she's crying. So basically, in the second half of the chapter, she and her mother uh, approach the frozen lake. Uh, It's snowing outside, it's frozen, and we get introduced to a bunch of different uh, elements of the story. I'll go into that more a little bit later. But basically, Gisela gets on the ice. They're there to ice skate. Um, so Gisela gets on the ice and she starts to hear this whisper like, Gisela, Gisela, you know. Um, so she's looking, she's like, wait, is that my mom calling me or what? Because her mom's still on the bench tying her ice skates or something. So she hears the voice and she tries to listen to it and then she falls through the ice. And then her mother comes and frantically tries to save her and she does. She picks Gisela up out of the, out of the water. Um, it's a really dramatic scene. 
And she says, okay, Gisela, go back to go back to the bench. You know, basically we're over for the day. So Gisela turns around and then she hears a splash. And then uh, as soon as she turns back around to find where her mother is, the hole in the, uh, in the lake has disappeared. It's completely covered over and she hears, you know, I'll be waiting for you, Gisela, like that whisper in the background. So now I'm gonna move into my goals for the chapter and uh, some of the changes that had happened um, over drafting. So basically, my goal with this chapter was to basically start the book off with a bang. I wanted to hook the reader, I wanted to hook you in, and you know, I wanted you to see that I could deliver on uh, the promise of this underlying tension and all of, uh, you know, giving you giving you a payoff for all of the um, suspense that I kind of built up to. Um, I originally did not have the neighbor sequence in the beginning of the book. That was not how the book opened. That was not how I had envisioned it opening. I started with setting the scene, talking about the, the snowy scenery and the, and the sun that hid behind the clouds, hoping that it, you know, didn't which is it was it was a really flowery line in there that I just love you can check my blog post about that to really to get it to get the gist and if you read it already then of course you you may already recognize what I'm trying to get to but um, but yeah I opened up with that and you know my editor told me that that was really impersonal I had a habit of doing that throughout the book and so I kind of had to change a lot of the ways that I brought um, that I brought the reader into the next chapter. I always had it in my mind to set up the scenery and the setting before getting into what the characters were doing in the room. Um, and that's not necessarily the best way. It's not the wrong way to do it, but doing it too much, it kind of can take the reader out. So I started with an emotion. I started with the character. I started with Gisela crying, tears behind her eyes, blurring her vision. That's kind of what I started with to kind of get the reader, try to get you uh, engrossed in the character and wondering what was wrong with her, you know? And I think that that suggestion really did help me because it built up a little bit more of the tension um, as opposed to just, you know, hey, this is a really cute looking scene uh, and then getting into the tension. I think it kind of started off with some foreboding elements there. So, why would you love this scene? Uh, I believe that it's exciting and it draws you into the world. Uh, I did um, put out some little breadcrumbs there uh, about, you know, the Luce. I, um, I talked about the different, the great nations. I talked about Ethereans. And I talked about, even talked about Elau, the god El Elau in that world. Um, but I didn't really go into explaining them too much. You got to see one of the Luce, uh, the Cephal, the horse there uh, in that scene. Um, and that was my way of kind of introducing magic right up front um, without it being too jarring later on. I wanted you to know that magic existed. So, so yeah, that was, that was my reasoning for that. But I didn't want to go into world building too much. I just wanted to kind of ease you in and let you know that yeah, there's some stuff going on here. And the other thing would be that I gained some of your trust, that you 
that you started to trust the narrator, that you started to trust the author um, to lead you on this journey. Uh, you know, if I had done a horrible job of, you know, sticking the landing as far as setting up all of this tension and then not giving you anything right up front, then it would have been a lot harder to keep you engaged through the end. But I think that I uh, showed that I could do that. And I think that that gave you uh, a, a little bit more of a way to be invested uh, in the remainder of the story, or at least to, s to continue on to the next couple of chapters to see what would happen. So why would you dislike the chapter? Uh, well, I think the mix of technologies may have been a little bit too much. Or I don't think that, but I mean, I think that it may be too much for some people. Uh, you know, I had Gisela and her mom riding it on horseback because they didn't want to stir up the Luce. But at the same time, I'm talking about, you know, they there's some mention of wheelers, which is basically cars. And, you know, the uh, her mom is looking through binoculars or looking through binoculars with some kind of uh electronic you know device on it or something or like a, some kind of a button that she presses that kind of changes the look of it so you know it's it's definitely a mix and i hopefully i didn't confuse it with what the genre of this would be um and you know i've really had actually a hard time explaining to people what kind of fantasy this is uh because there's so many different types there's like you know the epic the um urban fantasy, there's like paranormal, I mean, we could go, we could go down a whole uh, rabbit hole there, but I always thought of this as more of the epic fantasy, but when I say that, it's like people will think that it's, oh, it's like Lord of the Rings or something like that, and then I'm like, well, no, it's not quite like Lord of the Rings, and then they'll be like, oh, so it's more like Harry Potter, where it's kind of like more modern-ish, like, you know, you have, you have those parts of Harry Potter where it's set in like a modern kind of world and then they kind of switch over to the Hogwarts thing and um, at least that's what I saw in the movies I did not read the book but I mean I guess that would be a better explanation of it if I could if I had explained it that way but even when people said Harry Potter I was like oh it's not quite like Harry Potter either but um you know, when you read the book, you kind of get the gist of it. Um, and I didn't want to say it was urban fantasy because I believe that that's a different set of rules than uh, a story like what I'm doing in Pangea. Uh, oh, other one, the other thing before I end <laughs> was that, you know, some of the cracks in my writing may show. Uh, I know that I am, or I was a new writer, not a new writer, but I was a new novelist when I wrote this book. I had always written shorter um, pieces, um, mostly for like, you know, creative writing classes and stuff uh, in high school and in college uh, and for myself sometimes. Um, but this is not that. This is definitely a much longer piece that had to be plotted out and planned um, and on some level kind of, you know, uh, what, what we say pants basically just writing by the seat of your pants. I kind of had to do that a little bit with this book, too um, And so, you know, some of the some of the deficiencies in writing may uh, May have shown through to some of the more seasoned readers and editors. Uh, I tried to cover that up, but you know I'm sure there are plenty of uh, areas where it's not quite up to snuff, but I'm hoping to change that with 
my books moving forward because I definitely take a lot of the criticism uh, to heart um, in a good way. So what's next? Uh, in the next video, next week, I will be talking about chapter two. And this is where I introduce the main character, Slade Maxwell. Slade had a lot of similarities to me um, when I conceptualized the character. And uh, when I started writing the book, you know, there was just a lot of similarities. And I'm going to discuss that. And, uh, you know, make it a little deep. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think, it, I think it's going to be interesting. You're going to get a little bit more insight into how Slade paralleled my life. Um, but that's not to say that Slade is me. He's just, uh, I guess, inspired by true events. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's it for right now. Thank you so much for watching. And uh, if you like this video, please give it a thumbs up. And uh, please be sure to subscribe to continue to, to watch and listen into the commentary for uh, Pangea Unsettled Land. And uh, I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, wherever you can, please give it a review. Uh, and if you're stumbling upon this for the first time, uh, subscribe to me. I've got some more stuff coming in the future. I will talk to you all soon.